0: This is Place. Hey Pei it's Alan.
1: Hi, so sorry. I was giving um telegram permission to oh, my that's a- laptop.
0: Oh uh, quick and easy. Hey Rishad. Hey. Hey Pei Ying.
1: Hi Rishad.
2: Thanks for jumping in.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
2: Yeah, we've we Alan and I know that we've been checking out Continentalist for for a while and talking about you guys and our conversations always go with go like this. You know, these guys are doing amazing things, really interesting <laughs> things. We need to know more about them.
1: Oh, thanks. It's 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 really like quite uh it never gets old hearing that
0: <laughs> started noticing you probably just before the pandemic hit and then kind of made a old that Hey, we got to go get coffee with these guys, you know, that's right. And then yeah, know, lockdown after <laughs> lockdown, <laughs> it's like, okay, whatever.
1: <laughs> it's been great. Like, you know, being part of the community and being able to chime in on these conversations that people have.
0: Yeah.
2: So good to have your voice in that telegram. It's, it's so great that you've been popping up so much.
1: Yeah. I tried to, I mean, in the, in the honestly, in the early parts, it was, it was tough for me to, um, find a way to add my voice because I feel like everyone kind of like knows each other and you know they they've been talking a lot. So I, I'm after being an observer for I think a few months, I'm happy to finally, you know, contribute a little. I mean I follow some other news pages on or like, you know, sort of media outlets on Telegram, but I don't think um there are any as active as Splice.
0: That's really good to hear. Um it's something where it's always confusing for us because we always feel like, oh, you know, there are supposedly 600 people and bots mm-hmm. on the uh, on a channel. And we're always thinking, what would be the best way to engage people? And what should our, what should our expectations be? Uh, right. Do we think that a healthy group is where everyone contributes or a healthy group is, you know, where only a few would contribute, which seems to be the norm for anyone, any of these types of community sites?
2: All right, we're 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 f- at five minutes past 11. How are you
0: feeling, Alan? Let's do this, buddy. Welcome to the Splice Lo-Fi. It's already October 1st, 2021. This is our first uh, recording of this month. Uh, very hard to believe, but hey, here we are uh, almost at the end of the year. Uh, this is our weekly live audio check-in with the Splice community to see what people are working on. And this is the 24th time we're doing this. Uh, all of this is being recorded and, and we're going to put this out later as a podcast episode. So speak openly if you if you like. And also if you want to be taken off the, the record, let us know and we'll edit you out in post. Otherwise, this is going to go out onto the internet. Uh, put yourself on mute when you're not speaking. Unmute yourself when you do speak. And remember, this is a conversation, so make sure you're jumping in with your questions or comments, um, pop them into the Telegram group chat. And uh, just a reminder, of course, if you, if you can't stick around for the entire 30 minutes, you can always look this up under Splice Lo-Fi in your podcast app.
2: And on to the business of the day, we're so happy to be talking to Paying Low today, Paying co-founded Continentalist to, and I'm quoting, tell data stories about Asia. Uh, has it been about five years, Paying?
1: started in mid 2017 so yeah sounds it's five my math is terrible i think five years is about right
2: my math is terrible says somebody who runs an incredibly comprehensive data (laughs) website that tells data stories what made you decide to start uh continentalist five years ago
1: it's quite a long story but to try and sort of summarize it i had just left um, I, I, spent the early part of my career working in like heritage institutions in Singapore, um, and I had just left the industry and I was really craving something new. Um, something that could challenge me that I didn't already know before. Um, and I happened to meet my co-founder, um, Lee Han Shi, who is, who was, uh, who's a retired journalist, so he spent years in journalism with the Business Times. Um, and he started this group of companies called Potato Productions. And he, we met and he proposed an idea about starting a platform of sorts where we could gather data, map the trends that's going on in Asia and sort of put the information out there for public consumption. And that's really how it all started.
0: But this is of course a a business, right? And, um, and my, my guess here is that the studio's component of, of Conti is the one that makes money. Is that correct?
1: I have to be honest that we were in a very fortunate position where we had the backing of our parent company Potato Productions to um, have almost a kind of like a, a year and a half of figuring things out, you know, learning the tools and the skills, um, and you know, sort of fine tuning our goals and business model along the way. So it's really only in the last I would say two years, quite solidly, that we really sort of. Found our confidence in being a studio outfit, where we, you know, obviously work with many clients um, to do the, to do the same um, for them as what we've done in our own platform, which is these data-driven stories. Or if they have like a data product to meaningfully execute that for them.
0: So when when the business first started, it sounds like it was mainly a content uh, business. To begin with, right, and then the the clients and 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 uh, and the work that you do uh, for clients that came later. Then, is that what you're saying? Yeah,
1: that's that's right. Yeah, so I think the meaning or the sort of reason for existence for Kanji has always been the publication. Um, and and when we started out, that wasn't a primary goal. to it was just really how do we again meaningfully put data and information out there um, for people to consume and learn more and be better prepared for the changes around them. That was the primary concern and it was really sort of inspired or um, triggered by our concern about China's Belt and Road Initiative. It's this mammoth thing that's rolling through three continents, you know, so many countries, especially Southeast Asia is really affected by, you know, China's policies here and we really wanted to understand in the material way how that affects our lives, where we can take advantage of opportunities or where we have to be cautious of threats Um, and after gathering all of the data we you know it's like who wants to read spreadsheets right nobody (laughs) i mean very few people in this world enjoy reading spreadsheets um or sort of look at bar charts repeatedly Um, and we we really thought it was important to find sort of an ingenuine like clever way to present this information that could capture people's attention and also highlight the key concerns to them all at once, which is how we stumbled into data storytelling. And once we started that, it was kind of like no looking back. We enjoyed it so much and we found it so challenging and so meaningful, um, that we really sort of, you know, launched in that direction and we figured let's hone our craft, practice what we want to do, and then the rest should figure itself out later on
0: <laughs> and and at what point of this journey did you have the confidence to turn this into a revenue making business you know when when did studios begin uh and, and who was your first client
1: um so i think the conf it, it was a struggle i have to admit i mean i think a lot of businesses don't talk about their struggles as much um and they kind of fixate on the successes which is also something we've done but it was a struggle for a good year where we wanted to we we, we had a couple of sort of options on our hand. Um, and I think this is very common in the media community. Do we go through like a subscription model? Do we sell, like, you know, do advertisements? Do we do paid sponsored content, etc. You know, these are the common avenues that are available to most media outlets. And I think none of those really sit comfortably with us in a way that we feel we could still have, you know, um, control over the reading experience and also control over what we actually want to say. So we decided to sort of set those um, aside and and not to say that subscription models sort of dilute the voice, but I think for us, we also feel that it was a lot to manage and our our readership wasn't at the volume that we think was feasible. So we, we we really sat down and tried to evaluate where our value adds were, and we figured that that's in the data visualisation aspect rather than content generation. Um, there are a lot of outlets here that can handle content, but not many that can handle the data visualisation and the data storytelling aspect. Um, and once we fixated on that, um, we did spend about a year or half a year or so um, approaching different research institu- institutions in Singapore, um to try and convince them to hire us, but it was it was quite tough. Um, and the, the the heartening thing is when we were close to sort of giving up and pivoting to a different mo- the business model or try something different. Um, we were approached by Institute of Southeast Asian Studies who is our first client and they very confidently said, you know, we have something we want to do with COVID. And this, this is at the start of the pandemic, right? So they they wanted to quickly story tell something that's happening about misinformation and COVID-19 pandemic. Um, And yeah, that's when they enlisted our assistance to um, advise on data gathering and also data visualization and designing the whole story.
2: Reading through your stories, these cover really large weighty themes and issues. They're all evergreen issues. They're not necessarily uh, tied to uh, time-specific or geo-specific things apart from being in Asia. There's sexual violence, socioeconomic politics, of green spaces, foreign investment. So as a consumer of many of these issues, my question is, what are some of the ways that I can, in which I can participate in Continentalist apart from reading your stories? Can I come to events or use your data on my website or commission, I already know I can commission you to to build stuff, data products for me? How else can I consume all of these issues?
1: Uh, that's a really good question, and it's something we've really wanted to do since the we rebranded um, in July this year. We've only officially launched it in July, but the rebrand project has it's it started like one and a half years ago. Um, and I think one thing to reach out and build a community around us is something that we really want to do, and we've made small strides, but we are planning to make bigger strides in the coming year. Um, So the first thing that we've done is, I mean, this is something that has been a constant feature of our publication. We have a really cool newsletter called Notes from the Equator, and um, that's something that we, you know, we share very personal anecdotes from our experiences of producing these stories. Um, We share behind the scenes sort of articles from our Medium blog um, of how we've sort of created certain stories or our thought processes through certain features. And I encourage everyone to subscribe to our newsletter. I personally think it's wonderful. It's also a real visual treat because our team goes all out designing it every month. Um, And yeah, that's one of our key platforms. And the other space that we're trying to grow now is this thing called community um, on our blog, where we feature Asian data viz practitioners from both the region and based elsewhere. The, the, The qualifiers here are basically, you have to be an Asian either, you know, living elsewhere, or in Singapore, or uh, in in the, in the region, or if you're somebody within Asia working on data, this you know we want to talk to you, learn about your experience, and share that with the community on our blog. So that's something we've done. I think maybe four or five interviews now, um, and and yeah, we we encourage anyone who's in the field to you know let us know or recommend someone they think who should be featured. In the in the near future, we're we're still you know toying with certain ideas and trying to figure out what's. Where again, you know, we think people could really reach to us in a meaningful way, not just us sort of trumpeting information at them. Um, one of the things we're thinking about is, you know, starting perhaps something like a Patreon, but we're not sure yet, or, you know, something like Splices Telegram group. Again, we're we're not sure. I think the options are very varied, but we don't want to rush into it. We want to, you know, figure out where, where best we can place ourselves to engage with people, um, in the most optimum way possible i think lastly we always very welcome pitches and sort of requests for collaborations um on our relaunch uh, or rebrand in july we launched a pitch page which is something that never existed on our previous um, website um so the pitch highlights a lot of details about you know the kind of stories we look for and we don't really have a barrier to entry in terms of how you can work with us you don't you don't need to have prior experience and you know, data storytelling or journalism or data visualisation, etc. If you have a good idea, we'd love to hear it. And our team is ready to work with you to flesh it out in full.
2: You know, it strikes me listening to you talk that if I were a beat, if I was somebody who worked with data even in an adjacent way, so kind kind of like a B2B, but B2B adjacent, um, I would want to use Continentalist in live forums uh, i would want to consume continentalist in live forums in so many ways so if i wanted to know more about how how sustainability worked in asia or or in southeast asia or i'm looking at your rubber plant story which is very very deep or your or any any of your environment stories if you said we're having our monthly google meet or telegram chat and I would, I would, a hundred percent pay to get in because I would want to have that intelligence as part of my work. Is that something you could consider as a product?
1: Mm, we haven't really. I mean, this is the first time I'm even hearing a suggestion like that. So, I, 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 I wouldn't have a direct answer, or like an immediate answer for that. But I think for us, we, we really are quite reluctant to make our content paid in any way. We don't we don't want people to have to pay for it if you get what i mean so if right. even if we held some events like that we probably just do it like free of charge <laughs> simply because you know i think we enjoy the conversation we enjoy hearing what people have to say and the whole reason that we started this company in the first place is to provide content free of charge for people to consume and better understand the situations around them as you said you know you wanna be equipped with that knowledge. You wanna be you wanna have that intelligence around you, so to speak, right? And we feel that yeah, that's that's something that shouldn't be price tagged.
0: Can you tell us a little bit more about, about the uh, the people who make up um, continentalists? You know, who who are you behind the scenes? What kind of roles are Oh there?
1: yeah. I, I love this question. Um, we have I think, at present, about 15 members on our team. Um, it's a mixed bag of um, people who work both full-time and part-time. I think the the thing I really love about my team is where, okay, first of all, we're all really young. So I think I'm, I'm close to being the oldest. The oldest in the company is 31, and I'm 30 this year. Everyone else is under that. So <laughs> we are really young. And I think that adds to the team culture in terms of its vibrancy and its um plethora of ideas that come through and creativity. We have a number, I, I would say quite confidently, that nearly 80% of our team, um, none of us studied this as like a degree at university or, or in you know, our education experience. All of us stumbled into this and we were drawn to it because, hey, you know, data storytelling is so cool. We make charts move and we make maps move. And I think the 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 key thing here is everyone's got a great aptitude to learn. So that that's kind of like the overall summary of the nature of the team. Um in terms of, you know, the specific people working in it, we we also have a really diverse group of people from you know different countries, different backgrounds. We have developers, designers, and writers um who, you know, every story is like um, I think two weeks two or three weeks ago, Yen was on this platform and he said, you know, data um visualization or data analysis um and in our respect data storytelling, it's a team sport. And I, I couldn't agree more. Um every piece that comes through to our page, um, it's a collaborative effort that's worked on by at least always three people at a time. So, you know, I think having a great uh, you know, love for teamwork. Um, creativity and a great aptitude to learn is is really like a defining culture in our in our company. Um, yeah, I'm I'm very proud of that.
2: <laughs> How cool! And I, I I noticed that you're still um, hiring people. Uh, your website says that you know you want people to to apply and stuff. Uh, who has questions for paying? Please jump in. Pop it into the Telegram chat if you. Don't feel like uh, your voice, but I noticed that Karen has a mic active. <laughs> Hi,
1: Rashad. Hi, Pei. Hey, Karen. Hi. <laughs> Hi. I wish I had known about Continentalists way before today, because um, it's amazing work. So I, I have a question about uh, about you just mentioning your team. So because this is very like dynamic, layered storytelling that is beautifully created. So I wanted to ask about your review process Can you just share your experiences mm-hmm. because I'm sure there's so many things to fact check. There's so many design uh, elements that, you know, need to function correctly. Uh, you know, I'm sure that all that is just all it gets out into the wild and read by the public. So tell us about, you know, the the end stages of getting stories out at the Continentalist. Yeah, that's a great question too. We we are literally in a a week long design sprint right now, fine tuning our workflow, because it's always such a mad rush at the end. Um, th- I think this is a it's a natural we re- sort of um, conclusion from why we decided we only want to do evergreen pieces because each piece that gets worked on takes so long to be produced because so much effort goes into it. Um. And it really, if I were to describe the process, you know, it's from a pitch to an outline that's really detailed, includes plans, the data visualization, etc. And we usually have a designer design the entire page, lay out sort of all the visuals and the sort of vision that the you know team has for the product or if we're working with the partner, you know, the, the sort of emotive sort of reasons um, behind the piece. Um, and from there, we spend usually about a month preparing the code, um, preparing all of the visual assets. And when it comes together, we have like it's it's again the team spot. We post the we use Slack. So we post the link into the sort of general channel in our Slack, and everyone on the team chips in to check to, to test the story on all devices. We check on our phones, we check on Android, we check on tablet, we check on Safari, we check on Chrome. And once we are satisfied with, you know, that all the bugs have been fixed and settled, then we hit publish. Um, and that, that review process usually takes, you know, sometimes if it's moon sailing takes a day, sometimes it takes two to three days. There have been occasions where the bug is so bad, it sets us back by weeks. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of like what we have now, but we're working on making it more efficient and make it more seamless. Of course, once the story goes out, we we recently have been trying to implement um, sort of testing features as well. So we put in, for example, Hotjar on our pages um, to understand where users are um, sort of hovering, where they are stopping in the story to read more, what type of data visualizations invite them to interact with it and click around and further investigate the information. So we do sort of these um, analysis as well after we post the story online, and also always check for read time, to ensure that people are engaging with the story, not just sort of you know. uh, Well, the visualizations are a real treat, right? The visual sort of treatment we have to our pieces invite people to scroll down and tinker with the story, but we also at the end of the day want to make sure that there's proper data consumption happening. So we we try our very best to measure that in whatever way we can to ensure it's happening
0: that is super impressive um especially you know like like hearing how you're you're tracking people's um um engagement on the website as well i think that's really powerful um i wish more newsrooms cared enough about these types of things um who else has a question for uh, for paying All right. Well, I'm going to jump in with another follow-up. Then, if if no one's got one, um, tell tell us how how you work with Potato, uh, your your parent company. Potato, we were just counting earlier, uh, has nineteen different businesses, all in the media slash tech slash design space, which is really quite amazing. Do you do you share resources in terms of staff and uh, and budgets?
1: Yeah, I always joke that Potato is quite a, a special creature um it's all founded by um our director um, my, my co-founder Mr. Lee um he he um, he's got you know um I think a real heart and vision for the future and he he's always so inundated by ideas and he's brimming with creativity all the time and the primary goal of his sort of um um endeavors i would say is at the end of the day to do good in a way that is clever that is surprising and innovative and that's really what drives all the firms um, that we have in potato productions it's it stretches from healthcare to comic publishing to media outlets etc it's really quite a mixed bag Um, we all share certain resources such as um we have a we share the same sort of um, human resources um, and sort of um, admin staff. So that's been a real benefit for Continentalists as well. It's not something that personally I would need to you know, worry too much about. We have a company that, or we have a team within the potato group of productions, a uh, potato group of companies to help look after that. So that's one of the key benefits. And I think the larger benefit is the network that we have because there's so many companies in the group um, and we meet different people all the time from all over. Um, it's really easy for us to make connections, um, with like-minded people, find opportunities to work together or to tell a data story, et cetera. Um, and, and very often how the work gets out for companies is through our, our friends in the potato group of companies. So yeah, that's, I think that's one of the, one of the real benefits for us being part of potato productions.
2: That's very fascinating. I was just telling Alan separately that we, on our Slack, that uh, we need to get a coffee with you soon because we have so many things to talk about. You know, the next time we can be three people. Are you, yes, are you good sure. with that being?
1: Yeah, for sure. Fant- yeah.
2: Fantastic. Alan, I think we're going to have to wrap. We should get let people get on with their Fridays. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
2: Uh, thank you so much, Paying, for, for uh, hanging out with us on, on LoFi. Yeah,
1: thank, thank you, you so much for having me. It's really an honor to be here.
2: Uh, honor, honor and is pleasure is all ours. Thank you so much <laughs> uh, for joining us, people. If you missed the, this live, obviously, you're going to find this recording as an episode in your favorite podcast app or just go to splicemedia.com slash lo-fi. Please subscribe and please get in touch to let us know uh, who you'd like to hear on Splice LoFi. fi uh, We'll catch you next fly- Friday at 11 a.m. Singapore time.
0: Have a good weekend.
1: Thank you. Bye.
0: This is Splice. All right. it's another one in the back. <laughs> She's so cool.
2: Amazing. So I, many I... more conversations in there that I knew we couldn't have
0: absolutely and every single one of their their companies under potato is a is a deep dive that's just waiting to happen they're also Seriously. interesting also cool great branding another time i guess
2: yeah that that sounds like a, a group of companies with with real heart and real mission uh, it'd be interesting to talk to all of them get all of the co-founders and and, and people in a room and learn from them
0: one day when when we grow up man we'll have 19 <laughs> as well little spice companies running around